following is a segment from our video games podcast, Random Gaming Talk. It's a podcast where me and my co-host Robert discuss what we have been playing, the news for that week, and anything else related to video games. You can find it on podcast services by searching for Entertainment Talk or Random Gaming Talk, or find it on our website, entertainmenttalk.org. Click on the podcast drop-down menu, then click on Random Gaming Talk, or by searching for Random Gaming Talk on the website. Thanks for listening. Cool. Uh, Ubisoft. All I've written down is Watch Dogs Legion. So, uh, yeah. Did, did did you should we just talk about that, or did you have anything else? Because I have some cool stuff to say about Watch Dogs Legion. There's nothing from the the Ubisoft press conference that I saw outside of Legion that I would even remotely want to talk about. Okay. Did you play Watch Dogs 1 or 2? I think I've asked you that before. Yeah, I finished the story mode for 1 and got a good chunk of it done. I never got around to playing 2. Um, Legion, I'm kind of on the fence on. Okay. Is there any uh, particular reasons? or? Yeah, just because I like the concept of having multiple characters of being switched between, you know... This skill set, that skill set, and that skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that is that it's hard to really come up with a uh, unified storyline, and the storyline, yeah, that they, yeah, the storyline that they presented is clearly from a weirdly ideological, political, you know, paranoia scale. Yeah. Um, and like I've said several times on different podcasts, I personally think 90% of politics is just noise made by idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, but factually, from what they presented, I think they're just 100% wrong of where they think the world will go after the event they're projecting right, to happen happens. Brexit, yeah. yeah. As a British person myself, I found that pretty funny. <laughs> This is like, okay, this isn't what the UK is going to look like at all. No one's going to be able to afford drones. Buses won't look like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, the the drone things, I can kind of sort of see, not a little bit. I mean, bit, I understand it in the just... world of watchdogs, but like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not even in the world of watchdogs. I mean, it's a well-known fact that London is the most uh, surveilled city in the world. Mm-hmm. There's literally CCTV cameras everywhere. So that evolving into flying drones, I can kind of accept the fact that, you know, just leaving the EU would make all those drones armed and start killing people. <laughs> I don't see that at all. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but again, I, I don't a, know that. A, but... That's somebody's paranoia fantasy happening. Right, right. Um, and because, you know, like I said, as a Brit and as a Brit myself, um, and like obviously I've walked streets of London and all that sort of stuff, I recognise uh, what what the UK looks like and everything. It's just like, okay, this is possibly Brexit, but in like 20 years <laughs> after Brexit. Well, not even so. 20 years with a lot of extreme events happening. Right, yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of gunplay from what I saw, and unless something's changed in the last 10 minutes, I think our guns illegal in London? I think so yeah i don't policemen don't have uh yeah most of even, even the policemen most of them don't have guns mm-hmm. so but somehow drones are going to start getting armed you know <laughs> resistance and start popping off caps yeah i'm not sure if i'm supposed to find that funny but it just is just looking at like okay this is somebody's interpretation yeah. of okay it's watchdogs you're adding watchdogs in here and i get that and watchdogs already had guns in it but yeah, just seeing like that was uh, just someone's like interpretation said, of that was was funny. So and like I said before, that was always my problem with the Watchdog series. It's not that you can't do both, but mm-hmm. you know, hacking is a very 
specific skill set, and gunplay is also a very specific skill set. And you can train in both. They just don't cross over a whole lot. Hmm. And the fact that I wanted Watch Dogs to be a very stealthy, sneaky, hide-around, hacky things to get other things done, and it very, very quickly devolved into a run-and-gun, shoot-everything kind of a game. And it just kind of looks like that's what's going to happen with the uh, 2 and the Legion that's coming out. So Yeah. Um, but in terms of the game itself, outside of the whole Brexit stuff, I'm really, really excited for this game. Everything they showed me, I was interested in. I do agree with you in a way of like, okay, if you control John and he is a military expert, again, random example of a character that probably doesn't exist. Uh, you control John and he's an ex-military and he's really skilled and trained and... Okay, if his character starts like develop and he develops a story with again made up name Julie, who has whatever background, and like they start to develop relationship, not necessarily like a relationship relationship, but like a friendship, or they develop a plot. One of them gets killed, and I now take control of like if John gets killed, then they now take control of Tommy, and he has a different background, is a different person. What do you do with the other plot? Or is there just like a dead sec uh, plot in there that kind of like has background characters that can't be killed? Like people outside of you that wouldn't be controlled? I don't... Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know quite how that works. And I'm interested to see how they do pull pull that together. But in terms of everything they showed, I'm I'm all in on this game. So... Yeah, I mean, they could definitely revolve a plot around specific tasks that needed to be done. Right. Um, yeah. Especially with the dead set thing, you know, they need to stop this event from happening. They need mm-hmm. to stop this person from succeeding. And that can work on some level, but then you lose all agency with the actual characters themselves. They just become interchangeable cogs in the machine, which ironically is the opposite of what they're trying to promote with the whole, you know, freedom from the organization or freedom from the uh, bureaucracy. It is, uh, you know, watchdogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no Splinter Cell, but he is going to be in a mobile game, which I've forgotten the name of because I didn't write it down because I'm not interested in it. Uh, they and I didn't the, care about so yeah. I didn't write it down either. They, they, so they show this team of five and they go through, this is this person and they get to Sam Fisher last. Uh, you can see it's already him because the whole goggles and pistol and all that sort of stuff in his outfit. Uh, am I right again that they're like maybe just saving Splinter Cell for PS5 and Xbox Scarlet? Who knows anymore? I mean, it's been so long since we've had a proper Splinter Cell game. And the fact that uh, Microsoft announced that all the old uh, Splinter Cell games are now backwards compatible, even the uh, original Xbox game, mm-hmm. they're all part of the back compat now, so you can buy and play any of them yeah and that's part of the weird software wizardry that microsoft is doing with their backwards compatibility is that they actually upscaled and up the original xbox games to where they're not quite you know one x enhanced games but they're better but they yeah. they definitely look better than the 360 games and i can attest not specifically the splinter cell but i have bought a couple of original xbox xbox games and played them on my one x not my one x my one s mm-hmm and they look way better than the original Xbox games did. Um, okay, cool. And like I said, that's just a testament to their skills in the software programming department, the fact that they can do that. And that's why I've said multiple times on the podcast that the next console that's coming out is not going to be the next generation. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's just going to be the next hardware refresh because they essentially eliminated generations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, but that kind of goes along with my thought of like, okay, let's say they did announce another Splinter Cell when it's coming out spring of next year and in the end of next year, PS5 and Xbox, then the new one comes out and they're both backwards compatible anyway, why does it matter if that's a next-gen title or not? Because it will look great if it's a new game that's coming out in 2020. Um, like, like well, all the new games that are coming out in 2020, Cyberpunk and Dying Light and everything else, why would it matter if it's a launch title? If you can play it anyway and it looks as good as what it already does, um, like A Last of Us 2 when that comes out, if that's a, well, they, they said, well it should be a PS4 game. When that's backwards compatible on PS5, will it need a graphics update? I'm pretty sure that it won't. <laughs> Cause... Well, see, that's kind of the future-proofing and the thing that Microsoft has put themselves really yeah. in the lead in. If you own a PS4 and you buy Cyberpunk 2077 on PS4, mm-hmm. it's locked to that state. If you get the PS5, <clears throat> there's no 100% guarantee that it's going to be playable on PS5. It might be backwards compatible to a point, but there's no okay. guarantee on how it will play. Whereas if you buy uh, Cyber... And I did pre-order Cyberpunk 2077, and I did get the email yesterday saying that the delivery date did update to the launch date for April in 2020. Oh, that's cool. You know, I could play it on my 1S, and let's say money happens to sort itself out to where I can buy a Scarlet and skip the X, mm-hmm. and they all issue out a uh, Scarlet update for the enhancements for that Scarlet. Then I just download that update. I already have the game, and it just plays with that updated level and that updated scale. Nothing I own the game with um, changes. Even if they don't issue that update, I can still play it on Scarlet because that's not a generational shift. Yeah. It's not an architecture sk- shift. It's not a you know game console shift. It's just a better version of the platform that I already play on. Yeah. And I've, I know I've said this several times on the podcast. That's a position that Microsoft staked out a while ago just to kind of future-proof themselves. So now, functionally, they're in a much better position than PS5 is because, I mean, hell, PS4 can't even change your username without something completely breaking. <laughs> Are we yeah. really going to trust a PS4 to PS5 tech upgrades with a software patch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I'm just talking in terms of, like, you know, will these games need to look better if they're recent kind of thing? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which at the end of the day is an irrelevant concept, considering you know we're barely at a thirty-five percent ish saturation rate with four K TVs, mm. and we're not even anywhere near ten percent saturation for eight K TVs. So upscaling it to eight K means nothing <coughs> outside of like promar- promotional speak. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much Ubisoft. I mean, John Berthold was there. Cool to see him. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outside of that, they didn't show anything else. I think that we're interested in. So 